Before we get started, ESPN College Game Day podcast is hosted by Reese Davis and Pete Thamel, getting you ready for each weekend in college football. Look forward to expert analysis, guests, and insight when it comes to what you need to know this season with College Game Day every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Listen wherever you get your podcast. What's up, guys? Welcome to a brand new episode of DC and RC. I'm Daniel Cormier. That's my partner, Ryan Clark. Coming up today, guys, we go back to UFC 279. We are joined by Corey Sanhagen ahead of his main event, and we talked to Chris Barnett. But, Ryan, before last week at the end of the show. Are you serious? I'll be honest right with now? you. I'll be honest with you, Ryan. Hey, Ryan. Are you serious? You recognize. I know you recognize that because every touchdown we scored, here comes the Oklahoma State fight song. I told this dude they were going into Stillwater last weekend not to bet me. I take Cash App, Venmo, Apple Pay, <laughs> other form. I want that pivot money, Ryan Clark. How did Stillwater treat you, my friend? Man, you know what? Stillwater was cool, man. We actually stayed in Oklahoma City Friday night. We drove down. Uh, <laughs> we looked for Eskimo Joes. We saw Mexican Joes. We ended up eating at some sushi ramen restaurant it was actually really good the people of oklahoma uh and the people in stillwater were super nice man it was a close game and then in the end your guys pulled away so i owe you a dinner i owe you a little bread i will pay my debts oh, yeah but I, I i went around and i told people everywhere i went i was like hey daniel cormier is my friend daniel cormier is my friend so they kind of rolled out the red carpet for me i even got to see the <laughs> national wrestling hall of fame you know what I mean? So for yeah. for that, it was a great trip. I'm okay with taking the L, and I'll take an L on this show right now. But we really need to talk yeah. about some of the things we saw this weekend. You can't do that. You can't say you're partner and try to move on. I want a second. Let me say this. Corporate Jay, I'm happy the God, that Jordan Mike. played good. I'm happy that nephew played good. But the reality is 34-17 is not that close, Ryan Clark. DC, it was and closer I'm glad than that. that my people It was closer than that, DC. <laughs> well, the final the final score just flashed across the bottom of the screen. It's in the lower third. You're a TV guy. In the lower third, it just flashed across 34-17. But I'm glad my people treated you good they outside did. of the Cowboy football team. I can't believe you didn't ask for odds considering we are the number 10 team in the country. So go pokes. <laughs> DC, Go first of all, DC, I'm not, I'm, I'm never, I'm never going to ask for odds. And truly, they were probably nicer to me than they would have been to you. I took more pictures at Oklahoma State than anybody would ever ask you to take, right? You, you know what I mean? Listen, I, at least last week, it would have been the Nate Diaz to your Tony Ferguson. I would have been the champ. I would have tapped you out. But let's, honestly, bro, let's talk about that, though. You look at UFC 279. It's a late card change, something that's un unprecedented in the UFC. The press conference oh. is canceled. There's brawls in the back. It's like one dude fighting two dudes, fighting three dudes. We're throwing things. I mean, it's what fighters do. Talk about how difficult, DC, it would be for you as a fighter to get such a late change in opponent, and also how difficult it was for you in preparing to call the fights with such late changes on the card. You know, our, um, it was conference getting to all the the shuffle in the lineup here's the thing the closest thing that i ever had to deal with in regards to something like that was the fight with anderson silva which happened two days prior to ufc 200 uh that's 
and it was difficult. It was very hard. But it was harder in terms of the weight cut, trying to still make the weight for not fighting John Jones in a championship fight. So that's where the issue was for me. Now, for the guys this weekend, it was a whole bunch of issues because you had six dudes essentially involved and a bit of a mashup. But then you got guys like Kevin Holland, who was a minus 300 favorite against Daniel Rodriguez, going to a plus 600 underdog. Then you got Nate Diaz, who was plus 800 against Hamza Chemaev, going to a plus 120 underdog against Tony Ferguson, which I don't agree with. Uh, uh, I don't think Tony Ferguson should have been favored. Obviously, he lost the fight. I don't know if there's anybody right now fighting at that level that he should be favored against. And then you got poor Lee Jingliang. Lee Jingliang fights a guy 10 pounds heavier than him. D-Rod looked massive. Yeah. So I could imagine it was hard. But I believe it was hard for certain guys because of the matchups at which they were falling into. For Nate Diaz, it was perfect. Mm-hmm. Could you imagine if Nate Diaz fought Hamza Jemaya, Ryan? I could not. Could have. you imagine if that happened? No, I could not. I, I, honestly, DC, that I, I wasn't looking forward to that fight because of how I felt it would play out. And it ended up being, to me, at least worse that it was Kevin Holland, no, DC. Oh, bro. So, Kevin Holland, I spoke to him on Friday. Oh, that was my matchmaker right there. So, <laughs> so I did this, right? And then I, I, once I was doing the weigh-in show, I took this photo and I sent it to Dana White, Sean Shelby, and, Mick, uh, and Hunter Campbell. And I go, you're welcome, guys. Nobody responded to me, RC, because they're like, we hate this dude. He's annoying doing this. When reality is, the fights are pretty easy to see. Right. Unfortunately, those guys are difficult to deal with at times. When you're asking fighters to make these types of changes, you kind of wonder if you could pull it all together. So while the matchups seem pretty easy to make, like anyone could have done that, it's hard to get everybody to agree to come to terms on a day's notice to fight these guys, especially... If I'm Kevin Holland, I'm like, yo, I want to fight Daniel Rodriguez. I want to fight the guy because I know what Hamzat's going to do. He's going to wrestle me. I probably haven't trained for a wrestler. He probably has not done much jujitsu. It's a completely different fight. But it was a better fight card on paper because it seemed as though Nate Diaz, Tony Ferguson was much more competitive. Lee versus D-Rod was much more competitive. And Kevin Holland, in theory, would have been much more competitive against Hamzat than Nathan Diaz was. So I, I tip my hat to the UFC for making it happen, but what a mess UFC 279 was by Friday afternoon. I mean, you look at it, and it definitely was a mess. I think it's kind of what what's good about the UFC is having a very small circle of people who make decisions. You can lock yourself in the room and figure things out and still give the people a card. Um, to, to me, it, yeah. was, it, it was obviously, it was one of those... It was one of those UFC pay-per-view cards that didn't truly have the main attraction fight. It was more so built around the names of Hamzat Chemaev and Nathan Diaz. And so I don't yeah. necessarily know how much we missed out on at the top of the card because things were changed. But the, the night was about Nathan Diaz and Tony Ferguson in the end. And when you look at this fight, you say to yourself, at one point, there was no two people I would have wanted to see in the octagon against one another more yes. than Tony Ferguson, Nathan Diaz. That's probably not where it is now. And so we watched this fight play out, and, you know, we got people moonwalking and guys leaning against the cage. <laughs> and eventually, Nathan Diaz submits Tony Ferguson uh, 
and, and you know, they, they hold each other's hands in the air. And it was kind of like the, the OGs saying goodbye to the octagon, or at least hopefully saying goodbye to the octagon. When you look back at what was the main event, DC, what are your feelings about the eventual matchup we got? So getting there was tough. But as I told you, we were very excited once we got to where we got to. The product did not match the expectation. And I am I being unjust by saying that, Ryan Clark? No. Am I being unjust by saying not. that it didn't match the expectation? I'm not, I'm not being unjust by saying that. I'm saying that Nate Diaz had been gone for a while. We thought that he was going to be better than Tony Ferguson as he was. But a lot of the theatrics that happened inside the octagon were mixed in between some fighting that we have not come to know these guys fight at that level. Like, Tony turned his back on multiple occasions. He would overswing as he was trying to throw elbows, end up running away from Nate. Nate, for his part, at one point, walked to the side of the octagon, shaking his head, no, Ryan, I thought he was quitting. I was like, oh, he's done. Because if you remember, when Nick stopped against Robbie yes. Lawler, he just kind of shook his head like, I'm done, yep. and he just kind of stopped. But then Tony sits, on, sits down in the middle of the octagon. Nate runs towards him to beat on him. Tony jumps up. It was just odd. And there were moments in the main event where I was just watching, kind of like with my mouth agape, like, like I could not believe what I was seeing. And I'm not saying it was the worst fight of all time, not, not by any stretch of the imagination. But the level to which that today tells that Nate Diaz still has a little bit left in the tank. He wants to fight. But it also tells me that Tony Ferguson is done as a guy that I've seen in the octagon. Tony's done, bro. Like, he is a shell of himself. And he doesn't want to retire, right? He actually said he feels like he got better. He saw some good things. I'm like, what did he do in there to show that he's better than he was prior? You know what's crazy? One of the worst things that could have happened to Tony Ferguson was dropping Michael Chandler in the first round of, of their fight because, because it gave him some hope. When you look at the three losses prior to that, there was no hope in any of those bouts. And I believe if you're Tony Ferguson, you're starting to wonder if you could still do it. And then you drop Michael Chandler, and Michael Chandler could get what we call a lucky kick because it's Michael Chandler says he doesn't even practice front kicks. And like, if we're going to be honest, he looked more like Reggie Roby than Anderson Silva. It looked more like a punt. And you know, yeah, I bring yeah. up Reggie Roby because yeah, he was dude. like the only black punter I can remember, and he wore a watch, and I thought it was super <laughs> cool. You know what I mean? And so like, when you look at when you look at Tony Ferguson's decline and what he looked like at many moments in the octagon Saturday night, it wasn't that it wasn't like he was fighting one of the top 170 pounders in the world. And I know people are going to flash back and be like, oh, but Nate Diaz caught Leon Edwards with the left in the fifth round after being dominated for four rounds and he pointed at him. Yeah, whatever. Leon Edwards is a champion now, but Nate Diaz didn't fight a championship fight. And you go out and you get submitted by Nate Diaz, a 37-year-old Nate Diaz, a Nate Diaz who is now walking out of the game and is not necessarily prepping to be a champion. When I look at Tony Ferguson, and here's the hard part about me getting an opportunity to do this job. I never want to disrespect the men who are willing to do things that I wouldn't do. But when you look at Tony Ferguson and you see there's no championship aspirations that can be left, there isn't a championship level of skill 
you want him to say, you know what, I've done enough because he has. He's given us great fights. He's given us a great career. I've done enough, and now I can move on. What do you attribute the decline of Tony Ferguson to, though, DC? Because it oh. was swift, it was fast, and it was vast for him to get to this point. You know what's crazy? And that's probably that's probably what stands out the most to me, RC. Like, Nate Diaz do whatever he wants. Star power. For Nate Diaz, not fighting Hamzat was a, was a gift from God. Yes. Like, that is literally best-case scenario for him. But you know what's the crazy thing about Tony Ferguson to me, Ryan? Is that it wasn't, it wasn't like gradual. It wasn't like a gradual decline. It was like he got to the edge of a cliff and just fell off the cliff. Yep. It was Justin Gaethje, and then that was it. Mm -hmm. The moment he was done with that interim title fight, he wasn't as good. Now, granted, he beat. He lost to Benil Darius and Charles Oliveira. So you go, yes. well, he's fighting the best in the world. He is. But now we got to see him fight Nate Diaz, who's not mm -hmm. the best in the world right now. Nate will tell you he's the best in the world. But he didn't do great against Nate. He landed inside leg kicks, a lot of inside leg kicks. But if you fought Nate Diaz or watched him fight, you know that's how you beat him. That's why Connor, even though he got carried out of the octagon in the rematch, was able to win because he just kept kicking the front leg of Diaz. Ferguson just... He just does not seem to have it anymore, but he does not seem to have the 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 the, the self-awareness to understand it. You know, he, he just doesn't really want to walk away from the game, and I get it. It's hard to walk away, but he just doesn't have it anymore, man. And I honestly don't know who the UFC can match him up with anymore because if he'd have fought Lee Jingliang, mm -hmm. he would have lost to him. Yes. And it would have probably been worse because Lee would have hit him with big shots mm -hmm. early. So I just don't know who they could match this guy up with anymore. Yeah, you know, you have on the other side of that a guy like Nathan Diaz who, even though he's not the fighter he once was, he still has the appeal and maybe a bigger appeal now than he's ever had in his life, than, he, than he's ever had in his career. He's sort of built this aura that goes beyond the skill that he displays in the octagon. And in truth, he finishes with the guillotine and he's the winner. And he gets his hand raised in this fight with Tony Ferguson at the end of UFC 279. This is a dude who actually has options, DC. When you think yeah. about Nate Diaz, who's saying, I'm going to show you fighters how to take over the world. I'm going to show you fighters how to do more. What do you believe we see next from Nate Diaz? Well, Real Fight Inc. is, is next, right? He's starting his own promotion. But I look at what happened last weekend for Nate Diaz as the best case scenario, Ryan. Ryan, I will sit here and say this without a shadow of a doubt. He was going to lose to Hamza Chemaev, and he was going to lose badly. As much as Nate dismisses the guy, I don't, he, he just doesn't have the skill set to stop the guy from doing uh, what he does. But getting that last-minute switch, winning the fight, now he's got all options on the table. I believe he's going to go box. I believe he's going to go box Jake Paul. I think that's what's going to be next, and then we'll see what happens afterwards. But the UFC is a little bit worse now because Nate Diaz is gone. Mm. So even though he doesn't have what he had prior, he still he still brings a lot to the sport of mixed martial arts because the guy's a star. Ryan, I did stuff last week for my, my YouTube channel. And, Ryan, pivot numbers. Like, dude, these guys were 400, 500,000. No matter what you did on those guys, Hamzat, Nate and them, they were in the 500,000 view range. It was right. crazy. It was crazy how much of an impact Nate still has on fighters. But it wasn't ultimately about just Nate Diaz. Yeah. It was also about Hamza Chimaev. He stayed on the fight card. The whole shuffle was because of Hamza Chimaev. 
Hamzat Shemaev went up to that scale on Saturday morning, weighed 178 and a half pounds. That is seven and a half pound weight miss. Insane to think that that was the case. He was smiling on the, the, the scale, which pissed so many off. But he goes, why would I be, why, what else do you want me to do? You want me to cry? He goes, I'm not making the weight. I'm where I am. The doctors made me stop. He goes, what am I supposed to do? But ultimately, they save him a fight. But not only a fight. A fight with a guy that he had gotten to a backstage altercation with the day prior in Kevin Holland. Goes out there and he dominates him. Ryan, what did you think of Hamza Chemaev and all of the fallout that came from this guy with that massive weight miss? Well, the, the first thing, and, and I'm going to answer your question, but the, the fan in me has a question for you. I, I can't remember who okay. it was that missed weight, but I remember your brother, Habib Namorgomedov, saying that that's unprofessional. Right, that 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 missing yeah. weight, that missing weight in that way. I'm not necessarily speaking of when you're a pound over, when, when you're Charles Oliveira. I think it was Charles yeah. Oliveira, and you've and you've fought to get to yeah. the weight, and you think you've made the weight, and you just miss it, it's and it's like, Charles. dang! But I did everything I could possibly do, and Khabib Nurmagomedov, who I respect as much as any fighter that's ever lived, says that's unprofessional. When when the guy gets up there, and I know he says his doctor stopped him. When he's at at, at that level or that much over the required weight, how do other fighters see that? Do you look at that as unprofessional, mm. DC? Do you see it in a way as disrespectful to the game? And I think cause, because your answer to that kind of leads into my next thought. You know, so Habib actually had something to say about Hamzat. Habib did a, a, okay. a Q&A last weekend, and he said that he looked at Hamzat on the scale. And, you know, Habib's a very religious man, right? Yes. He's a very devout Muslim and he loves his religion. He goes, I look at Hamzat and I see no people like us, no Muslims to tell him things that he may not want to hear. Mm. He said Hamzat's team has a team of people that will never tell him what he needs to hear. So it's very bad to not have people with like the same mindset mm -hmm. as you around you to guide you in those tough times when you got to make those decisions. But yes, it is very unprofessional. Regardless of... What the doctor told you, you got to get closer. You got to make the weight. Ryan, I swear to God, so many times I would look. Is there a doctor to come save me from my nutritionist? <laughs> dude's trying to kill me. It's Thursday night. I'm starving. Right? It's like right. everybody everybody feels that. Right. Like everybody feels, <laughs> man, I don't really want to do this. But you got to do it. Another thing that I loved about the fight with Hamzat, and he fought as Hamzat fights, fourth fight in his UFC career, Ryan, where his opponent didn't land one strike on him. Like, yeah. that's insane. I love after the fight, Joe Rogan said, hey, Hamzat, great performance as always, but you missed weight by seven and a half pounds. Hamzat goes, I don't want to talk about this. And Rogan pressed him again. And Rogan asked him again, and Rogan asked him a hard question. I love that he made him accountable in that moment to not just shine, to make him answer those questions that he needed to answer because everybody wanted to know what happened, Hamzat. Right. How could you possibly go up here and be this heavy? Mm -hmm. And like and, and so and so DC, that's that's my thing. The the one thing I take from it is like I get the UFC. The UFC has found a way in, in a sport that's very hard or used to be very hard to make star stars because one second changes yep. your entire career, your entire lives lives. They found ways to make stars. Hamzat Chemaev has made himself a star because of the way he fights. And then because of the way he fights, now his personality has somehow crossed over and has crossed over in a way to where he has a following. He has fans. 
And in this situation, I see that helping him. I see Hamzat Shemaev being helped and actually failing upward. Right. And what I mean by that is yeah. he didn't try to make the weight. He failed to make the weight because he decided that that wasn't something he wanted to do. So what did the UFC do? The UFC gave him a fight that we all knew he was going to win. And we also knew how he was going to win it. I said it that night. I'm actually driving away from the no, match. I'm waiting for Jordan outside of the locker room in Oklahoma State watching the fight on my phone. And I said it. It was the most predictable outcome of any fight the entire <laughs> night. And we all understood that, not that Nathan Diaz was going to be any different, but when you look at Hamzat Chabayev, he benefited from being the next up, from being the next star. And we knew exactly how that was going to go. Like you said, he never landed a strike. You know why? It's because Hamzat Chabayev wasn't going to stand to let him land one. Why would he? This, this, this is what mixed martial arts is. Mixed martial arts is if I'm better at a specific practice than you are at that practice, I'm going to try to get you there because that's where I win. And so, DC, now going forward, I know Dana White has mentioned a move up to middleweight for Hamzat Chimaev. Now going forward, where do you see him fitting in to the UFC? Because it almost seemed like we were trying to usher him into that 170, that 170-pound opportunity at welterweight, which he may be too big for now. You know what's crazy is his coach Andreas Michael said yesterday, the next one will be at middleweight because he loves everything about the process, Ryan, but the weight cut. Mm. He just came flat out and said it. Okay. But, but that leads to my question. It's like, he's going down to 170. Everybody's kind of ushering him there. Well, Israel Adesanya gets through Alex Pajeda. He's starting to lap his division. Why wouldn't a very fresh new guy in Hamzat Chemaev be welcomed at middleweight? And he will. So it's like, because I always wonder, right? When I look at these guys like Chemaev that dominate in the way that they do, I always ask myself this. When I put him against Robert Whitaker, do you favor him? Paulo Costa, do you favor him? When I put him against the do you favor him? Dude, if he fought Alexander, he would be a massive favorite because of the way that he fights. Because Pajeda's a striker. Mm -hmm. He hasn't been in the game long enough to defend takedowns. It's like, how many of those guys would you favor Hamza Chemayev to beat? And when you answer that question, it's many of them. Right. Because of his fighting style. And we saw it on full display with Kevin Holland, who at one point was in the top 10 at middleweight. So the guy is a very viable contender. I mean, right now you just take him out of welterweight, where he's the number three guy in the world, and you drop him in the middleweight, and he's probably somewhere in the top 10 right now. Yeah. So he could compete there. He's very good there. It's just a matter of convincing a guy when they've had that much success at one weight class that he needs to go up. And we've talked about this now, RC. We've waxed poetic for five minutes. We haven't even talked about the fight. Right. We haven't even talked about what he did in the actual fight to Kevin Holland because we have seen high-level middleweights beat Kevin Holland. Marvin yeah. Vittori. We've seen, uh, we've seen Derek Brunson beat him. But no one did what to Kevin Holland what Hamza Chemayev did the other day. It was a complete wipeout. DC, you know what else I don't talk about? The sun coming up. You know why? Because as long <laughs> as I'm alive, the freaking sun comes up, DC. At some point, <laughs> if it's even raining, I know it's daytime, DC. At some point, the morning comes. Just like we all knew that fight was going to be taken to the ground and Hamza Chemayev was going to win that way. And please don't sell me on that, oh, it's a fight game, RC, and you got to let the fights happen. Yeah, right. And you don't know. It was RC. dominant, DC. And we know. We, we, RC. RC, you could not think it was that clear, right? 
Like, there, there had to be a part of you that when it became Kevin Holland, you had to go, okay, Kevin Holland has some submission skills. Kevin Holland has knockout skills. You had to feel a little bit better about it, right, Ryan? Like, just a little bit better about the matchup. He's younger. He's longer. He's not fighting this killer at the tail end. This was a guy that is on a two-fight win streak. Fantastic. Down the way, class. Like, you had to think, Ryan, that there was some sort of chance for him. DC. No. DC. Why, why did he move down, DC? Because he was fighting wrestlers that were bigger than him that were dominating him on the ground, right? His, his wrestling was not, he, he admitted it. He said he had to go work on it. There have been people that have invited him to all of these different camps so he can learn to wrestle. And he fought probably the most Maybe other than like Islam Makhachev at 155, he fought maybe the most dominant wrestler in the welterweight class who's actually a mid middleweight. It's just a continuation of what we were seeing anyway, DC. <laughs> and you're going to sit here and tell me you thought it was going to be different? Come on, DC. Don't do that. Like, I, like Don't do that, bro. Hey, oh. my boy RC feel disrespected. RC, you feel played? It looked like you feel played a little bit. DC, I don't, I, 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 I don't feel played as much as like I, I get I, I get it's our jobs to come on here and, and, and talk about the fights and continue to do a show and to, to, to do a, a very good show. But I'm not going to come on here and lie, bro. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like, we knew that was going to happen. The only thing that excited us a little more than, like, Nate Diaz and Kevin Holland is that Kevin Holland is young and fun. Right, like, like that was it. We thought yeah, it might yeah. be exciting, but but it wasn't. Corporate Jake, like I'm so frustrated. Like I don't even know no, what no, I was no. supposed to lead I'm us coming. now. I know, I know RC. I know, I know RC. But I did get a came out the young boy. Like, oh my goodness, he gonna do it? I was like, he about to do it, and then he didn't do it, Ryan. But I tell you one thing, my friend. I'll tell you someone that did do it. Chris Barnett last weekend, the biggest sexiest dog on the yard <laughs> put on a show the other day. Guys, take a look at this. Look at it, look at it. That's my boy right there. I did, I loved it. Everybody get down with it too, look at him. Oh my goodness. <laughs> this is the this is funniest fight. I mean, we've had a night where we've had a lot of, we've had a lot of decisions and you bring the big boys out here to get the crowd up. You know what I'm saying? Bring a couple big sexy mugs out here and tell them let's go. Oh, he turned. Oh, he's in trouble. Jay Collier's in trouble. But look at Chris Barnett. He did a split. This is my favorite celebration ever been. Bam! That's just everything is just perfect. He still did. <laughs> yeah, walk it out. Hey, yeah, walk it out. Look at him. I mean, who has more fun than this guy? All right, guys, now it's time to go one round with Chris Barnett. Hey, listen, I ain't never had more fun sitting at the commentary table than when my dog won. <laughs> hey, Chris, I walk it out. I walk it out. Hey, Let's go, Chris. Hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> dog, you were having some fun out there on Saturday night, weren't you? Man, you got to man. You know, you know all about this, man. This is uh, this is part part of it. Got to entertain, dude. You know, me, me just happening uh, to be me, happens to be entertaining. So shoot, it, you know, it makes it it makes it ten times easier to be a quote unquote entertainer, as they say. You know. 
This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Hey, Chris, you know, you're talking about entertaining and everybody has just fallen in love with whether it's the walkout, the, the energy during the fight, also the dancing after a shoot, even the beers as we're walking back to the <laughs> locker room. But in, in, in real, as being a fan of the game, though, you can absolutely throw down. So technical, so versatile, so diverse. For such a, for such a big dude, where did your fighting style come from and how did it get so expansive? Man, video games, shoot, man. Uh, <laughs> um, I, uh, I was four years old when my pop signed me up for a Taekwondo because I was one of those uh, active kids, we'll say, very active. So he said, we need something that's going to gonna grasp you at some point, you know. So having that Taekwondo background, man, that um, that's just one thing, you know, that um, I, I contribute my whole game to, you know, because that was my first, quote, unquote, combative sport, you know. And then um, for real, after that, you know, uh, a game called Tekken, uh, grasped me in, you know, there was a guy in there named uh, Wadong, and I was like, if he can do it in the game, that means somebody had to do it in real life. That means I could possibly do this, you know? So uh, between that and then having a mindset, yeah, I'm a big dude, but uh, I'm, I'm 170 in my mind, you know what I mean? So you can't tell me nothing, you know? Sometimes my ankles and my knees let me know how big I am, but, you know, other than that, I'm good to go. <laughs> you know what's crazy, Chris, is... um. You smile and you smile, and this is a little bit heavier. Um, but I don't understand how you smile in the face of so much adversity. And I mm. spoke about this on a, a video I did the other day. Like, you've dealt with a lot. Mm. Before the last fight, obviously, uh, you had to make some really tough decisions. Fight didn't go your way. But then even this fight, uh, uh, you win the fight. And when you go through those personal fights like you do uh, with, your, with your wife and everything else, like, how do you continue to smile and be like that? That real life, because Chris, the people in the arena last weekend saw that. And when you're on the microphone making the most of your moment, mm. everybody was drawn into you, but not only as the fight, but the entire story. How do you continue to smile, Chris, through all that when in the last six months you suffered a loss like not many people could ever recover from? Man, um, it's weird. Uh, I, I have a strong circle around me, dude, like a, a strong tribe, you know, uh, between the uh, Barnett Taekwondo uh, Academy over there, like the people there, the family there, man, it's just, it, it's crazy, you know, um, but it, it, it's felt because I feel like in this game, I've, I've put that love out and to, and to receive it back with, with literally one of the darkest times, you know, um, 
you know what's crazy? Before this fight, actually, uh, I totaled my little car. Like I had a little uh, Mitsubishi Mirage. A deer, a deer decided he was like, "Hey, you ready for some real training?" And I was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa!" The whole airbags, all the airbags <laughs> went off and everything. You know? Oh my god! Uh, like hey. yeah, literally totaled the car, and I like I I, I sent it to uh, to my uh, management team, and I was like, "Look, y'all better not say nothing." Right, I'm fine. <laughs> we good. The airbags yeah. went off, wow. but we are all right. You wow. know what I'm saying? So, and they were they were like, "No, man, are you good?" I said, "Trust me. There's nothing that I can go through this camp that I went through last camp that can out. You know what I mean? That can outdo that. You know what I mean? So, having that that positive mindset and that that uh that 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 drive to keep pushing is literally because of the team that I got around me, man. Like I I don't I don't have the yes man. I have the the well. Why would you do that? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I got them like yeah, I got the I got the dudes that are literally gonna check me real quick. You know, on, on some on, if I'm being goofy, hey, hey, let me talk to you real quick. Um, so yeah, about that uh, about that uh, 1.5. They've been killing me worse than anything. You know what I mean? So like, it, it, it's 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 literally the tribe that I have around me, man. That 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 makes me be able to push forward. You know, and then honestly, man, the fans and stuff, dude. The, the messages that I got, like, as soon as I left the arena that night. Uh, uh, we went to that Las Vegas hospital. Boy, oh boy, Las Vegas on a Saturday. <laughs> Man, I got to see everything. Uh, this guy had messaged me. He was like, I don't understand how strong you are. Uh, he had just lost his uh, his wife, actually, in mm. July. And I spent 15 minutes just talking to him in that hospital. Uh, like, you know, right after this victory, I just like literally was like, no, look, I understand. This is, this is dark and this tunnel is going to keep going down until you start looking up. And that's what I had to do. I just had to start looking up, and then I realized how many people had ropes to help pull me out of that. You know what I mean? Instead of just trying to be tough, you know what I mean? We we always have to be quote unquote tough, right? You know what I'm saying? So my whole thing was dial it back, Chris. What's the most important thing? My babies. My babies mm. were okay. Like it was weird. Like they 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 you know they questioned it. They 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 didn't understand what was going on because they knew dad didn't know what was going on. And that my my number one thing to them was it's okay to not be okay. You know what I mean? So my my uh, my strength and everything, really, like my mom, uh, my, my brother, like, uh, again, my uh, my other brother, I call him uh, Ben Stevens, you know, he, him, him, him and his wife, like they're there's such a strong uh, like tribe around me, dude. You know, it, it made me it, I couldn't sit in that dark tunnel because they shine so bright. That was like, oh, my God, there's that light right there I need, you know, so they helped pull me out. And then now that I'm I'm definitely you're not you're never going to be quote unquote out of it you know what I mean but even if I slip back a little bit I know again here comes one of their ropes boom pulling me back out so I'd say the team around me really is what uh, pushed me to 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 keep going you know what I mean to uh, to to honestly you know not not to say take this fight but they were like yo if you're not ready for this you know then then you know. We understand completely. Forget what everybody else has to say, you know, but I felt ready because of what, you know, what we've been doing, uh, you know, just, man, just honestly to boil it down really. Yeah. Just the team around me, man, made me that much more, you know, stronger, you know, like it's, I'm, I'm strong myself, but they're, they're that Iron Man suit, you know, they're, they're adding the little pieces on. Yeah. To it, you know? <laughs> now that, that, that's beautiful. And I think, you know, we wanted to let you finish that because the one thing that we know as athletes, Chris, is that it's not just about us. And you continue to mention your team, but you mentioned your babies, you mentioned your family and all the reasons that you do it. And so as a fan of the fight game and as a fan of yours, man, we just want to tell you, continue pushing, 
continue fighting adversity, continue to smile, because just like the man in the hospital that you were able to touch, every time you walk out to the octagon or we get an opportunity to hear you on the mic, you affect us. Your positivity continues to bring more to the fight game than just your skill, your tenacity, and your technique. So we wish you all the best, man, and thank you so much for joining us. That is awesome. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, you're the man, Chris. Hey, Chris, I sure would love to see your big body stuck in that Mitsubishi Mirage <laughs> with the airbag on. Hey, Ryan, could you yeah, imagine seeing Chris big you, sexy ass? He was also Professor Clump stuff. I was like, hey, yo, hey, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One, two, three, four, five. Hell. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're crazy. We hey, thank you, Chris. Thanks boy. for joining us, brother. <laughs> hey, yes, I sir. tell you what, DC. Yo, RC. If I see you in the Mirage... I would love to see you in one, but that thing would be tight and probably tight like some of Kamaru Usman's suit. And I don't think he's going to be on Step and Fly this time. But, hey, we got to hey. get to it. <laughs> yep. Stop hating, RC. It's time to Step Fly with my boy Ryan Clark. Ryan Clark, you are the the the, the clothing show. So we go forward into some of these okay. last week, and a lot was made of my boy Lee Jing. <laughs> He looked fire, but hey. then the press conference gets canceled. Hey. It was legitimately the saddest vision I've seen all week. What did you think of his? Hey, DC, this is clean now, right? One, the shows he's in great shape, right? Because he got the shirt open. He wants you to see the chest. And then he got the beads around the neck, the glasses on, too. Hey, that was clean. And he shows how versatile he could be with a suit. No tie, no banded collar. I'm about to give yeah, it to yeah. you straight raw. My dog was ready for the press conference. It's a dang shame the people they know how to act. Hey, it was the press conference that never happened. Sorry, Lee. My bad, my guy. Then he got cheated, so he didn't even get to wear it to the post-fight press conference. <laughs> Poor dude. Hey, let's go to my man Marvin Vittori. UFC Paris. I mean, just dripping, Ryan. Come on, baby. Hey, hey that, that right there, though, that, that's a little runway look. You know what I'm saying? He got the glasses yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. You, you, know, you know the shirt feel good. It's the silk shirt. I like it. They're with the sneakers, though. See, he didn't take it too seriously, DC. I love it when the mood matches the clothes. He was like, I'm going to walk in here. I'm going to be clean. Yeah. I'm going to be shop. But this ain't the championship fight. I ain't got to be suited and booted. Yeah, yeah. Right? This is like, I'm not going to the Met Gala. I'm going to the 4040 Club. I like the whole feel, yeah, the whole yeah, yeah. vibe. I rock with what Marvin Vittori wore. <laughs> I, I like that. Ooh, wee, wee, Paris. Paris doesn't stop there because in Paris, the champ showed up, Francis Ngannou. It looked like he got some roses on his shirt. Look at that. The big boy got a nice, like, floral pattern shirt. I mean, he, he lived in Paris for years. DC. Ryan Clark. DC. You got to tell me this is fly. This, this is, is not fly, fly, right? DC. DC. There's a, certain no. si there's a certain size you can't be and wear floral. Like I, I'm just like like I'm just sorry, DC. And there's a like there's a certain level of toughness that will not allow you to have flowers and roses on your clothing. Now, if Francis so, Ngannou is near me, close to me, in the same city, state, or country <laughs> as me, I ain't gonna say that out loud. But being that I can say it here and I ain't gotta see him for a long time, I can say it. I don't like Francis and flowers, bro. If you're Francis, we gotta stick to solids, pinstripes, or window pane. Can't go floral. Well, the problem is, like, he's the heavyweight champ of the world. Like, the baddest man on the planet can wear what he wants. How about my dude, Luke Rockhold, step and fly, UFC 278 in Utah. You know the guy has a second career in modeling. What'd DC, you think of that, right? DC, now that's clean now, DC. Hey, 
The, is it? The, the fur, hey, that, bro, that is the wolf off of Game of Thrones that that man walking in with. He came ready, DC. That right there is clear. And he already got the look. My boy got the chiseled jaw. Y'all had it in slow motion with the walk. Hey, I'm feeling this one, bro. I'm all for Luke <laughs> Rocco's outfit. Now, now I wish his conditioning would have matched his outfit, but the outfit was oh. fire. <laughs> Bro, let me tell you something. You don't give compliments when I take a dig, don't you? Oh, my goodness. This guy is so crazy, dog. But you saw Luke turn, right? You Man. saw Luke turn. No, Luke turn slow like, ah. DC, the Joker that model is handsome stuff. now. The Joker is handsome. I got to get into it, bro. Like, my, my boy, if he needs a second let me tell you career something. modeling, let me he tell you, got that's a ARC, they got a brother. Well, there's two handsome brothers. The, the, the B side of the handsomeness on this show was on first take yesterday looking pretty good. Hey, hey, let's take a bar Ryan Clark up in. That suit is pretty fly. I can't front. I, I, I mean, the suit is really, really I mean, I never thought he would be wearing something that I wanted to wear because he, he, obviously I could never have oh, it with him. I never want to put on what I he I knew he was going to be clean. You know, hey, Ryan. Hey, let me tell you something, Ryan. Suit so nice made your neck look skinnier. Hey, you know when you got a nice suit, like your whole neck looks skinnier? Your neck look long. Hey, right? That suit was so nice. Your neck looks skinnier and long. Like, what was that? Hey, DC, all I'm going to say is this, man. I've been fired up about that suit for three weeks, bro. The day couldn't get here fast enough that it was the first Monday. And it's not that my neck looks skinny because the suit was fly. My neck really is getting skinny, bro. Like, if somebody's still on me, I'm in trouble. But I tell you what, one man who has been about that life, about that fighting, is Corey Sandhagen. And right now, we're setting it up to go one round with the Sandman. We're welcoming in one of the brightest and most explosive fighters in the UFC. Yes, I'm talking about the Sandman, Corey Sanhagen. Welcome to one round with Corey Sanhagen. Brother, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Thanks for having me on. Nah, man, we just really appreciate yeah. it. You know, now getting ready for, for your fight, just tell me what you're feeling, a guy that's been right there at the mountaintop with opportunities to kind of take hold of the entire division and now fighting your way back into title contention. What's the feeling around your camp and how are you preparing for this fight? Yeah, they, they, uh, they all kind of feel the same to me, to be honest. Uh, I know that everybody in the UFC is just as dangerous. Um, and yeah, man, I, I'm ready to get back into the winner circle. I spent pretty much the entire last year just trying to get better at the things that I was weaker at, and uh, my game has changed a lot. I think that I'm a I'm a way well versed fighter, and and, uh, and I think that I'm like way more prepared to fight for the title the next time that it comes around. You know, Corey, I got a question for you. It's a bit a bit off base, but um, Corey Sanhagen into the Sandman, the, the the Twitter handle, Instagram handle. Why not the walkout song? Is it too much of a layup to just come out there? Why? I don't know. I'm just not a Metallica guy. I didn't grow up with like Metallica. That just wasn't my thing. I was like a I was like a Biggie guy, you know? Biggie was my man. Yeah. That's why I come out. I'm a, I'm gonna send you a video of the of Virginia, Virginia Tech football when they walk out for their football games. You'll love Metallica and you'll love the environment so much that you'll walk out to that song every time. All right, back on track. I'm sorry. I get a little times. I love the everything else about fighting. But Corey, this weekend you fight Song Yudong. In the last fight, many people thought that you won the fight against TJ Dillashaw. So when you went back 
and you looked at everything and you had to break down that fight, what were those areas that you felt you were weak in? Because nothing seemed glaring inside the fight with, with Dillashaw, who's fighting for the belt now. Oh, wait, did you fight Dillashaw last or did you fight Piotr Jan last? I thought Piotr Jan last and then the one before that was TJ. But, uh, yeah, and the TJ yeah, fight, yeah, man, both I, of those I thought fights. that... Yeah, yeah, I, I think I fought really awesome against TJ. I think that there was... Um, there's, you know, just me being a little bit, uh, you know, not as urgent against the cage and it gave him control time yep. or whatever. But I also that in that fight, I was coming off two really big knockouts and uh, and that's what I was looking for a little bit too much. I, I, I could have done a little bit more yeah. scoring, which wouldn't have been hard to do. And I think that that was a pretty critical error that I made in that one. Um, that being said, I, I still think that, you know, TJ went home the beat up guy and I went home the guy kind of confused. But yes. um yeah. And then against Jan, man, just, I just need to be more well-versed in order to beat these guys that are just like super dangerous strikers. So, so that's what I've been doing. So let me ask you this question. You said that there was a bit of a hesitancy against Dillashaw. Do you think that's why you started so fast against Piotr Jan? Because through the first three rounds, you were really taking it to him early. And then the fight kind of evened itself out. Like, how did you find that balance where you can go hard enough early but not get fatigued as you go down the stretch, but also not lay back too much against a guy as dangerous as Song Yudong. Sure, yeah. I, I mean, I, I think that there's always like this like weird balance in MMA, and I think that that's why it makes it so interesting that you have to be this uh, you have to be this killer, and you have to be this guy who who's ready to like you know pull the trigger at any time. But he's, but you also have to be smart. You're not you're not fighting like dummies, so you have to be really smart in the sport too. And balancing those two things is like. A little, you know, it can it can get difficult. So uh, just having the awareness while I'm actually in the fight is important too. And um, and yeah, I, I'm I'm ready to make my 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 second run at the title. And uh, I can't wait to just show everyone how good I've gotten in the last year. You know, after watching you, especially in some of your your championship bouts and your opportunities to fight the best in the game, it's obvious that you are right there. You are on that tier with some of the champions or the top contenders in your division. You mentioned being smarter and understanding the fight game. What does it do? What, what type of performance do you think you need against Song Yudong to put you right back in the conversation for getting another shot at the title when we have so many of the top guys facing one another? Man, I, I think especially because the so I'm really trying to focus on, uh, on not letting these things go to the judges anymore. You know, like... Uh, uh, I, I really want to take it to Song, and, and I want to get him out of there so that there really isn't any question of who won or lost. I, I want to go in. I, I either want to knock him out, I want to submit him, uh, or I just want to break the guy. You know, uh, that, That's kind of where my mind is right now, and uh, that's, the, that's the game plan right now. You know, Corey, for a long time you've been like one of the more fun guys in the mm -hmm. division. But when you look at the division, and you look at Sterling won in the last fight. Like, what are your thoughts as so many guys have been fighting, right? Chito just beat down very recently. Yeah. Then we had uh, another fight on the paper right after that. You guys. We got O'Malley. What's your perception of the division as a whole? Uh, I think the division's great, man. I, I think in, you know, in a decade or so, we'll look back and kind of like reminisce on, you know, being a part of this being a big part of uh, bantamweight history and, and and i'm really happy about that I, I will also say that i think that i'm definitely the most exciting guy in the division uh i think that 
you know, Petr Jan definitely is a super exciting guy too. But I think when it comes to who's the most exciting fighter, I definitely am at the top of this division. You know, when you, you think back, obviously, you know, you got Flying Knee, uh, Frankie Edgar, and some of these, the, the, the great knockouts you've had. I think people agree that you're probably one of the more, or at least the most exciting guys in the division. But we all know that's not what gets you the championship. What is it still in you that says, or, or what would you tell people that say, Corey Sanhagen is great? but he's a cut below the guys that have wore the strap. How are you going to prove to them, or what can you say to prove to them that you're going to one day be the UFC champion? Man, I think that the reason I'm so exciting isn't because I knock people out or, or have a lot of footwork or whatever. The reason I'm so exciting is because I'm so technical and I'm so efficient with my fighting. And uh, it just so happens that, that being exciting is a result of that, but that's just a result of me being that good. Mm -hmm. You know, like I, I really think that I'm, I'm that good where uh, I can make efficient martial arts also exciting where I'm not, you know, pulling Nate Diaz's off and laying in the cage. <laughs> and, and that, you know, get, get the views. But uh, I think I'm efficient, bro. Like I'm efficient. Good. I love it, man. I love it. Hey, Corey, Corey, like that, last week was kind of crazy. I'm like, Nate took a break at one point, ran to the side of the octagon. Tony was looking at him confused. Tony, I mean, Tony turned around, scooting backwards. That was, uh, hey, that, that was the thing you could do when you fought in this game for a long time and people would just come to Corey see you like, no matter what. Hey, RC, Corey yeah, Sanhagen was like, yo, I'm not moonwalking in the octagon, son. <laughs> right. I'm not moonwalking in the octagon. <laughs> Absolutely. Nah, nah. No, good, good on them for being able to play games while they're in there because for me, I'm just like 100% savage-minded in my head. But, you know, if they can have fun, cool, good on them. Hey, well, Corey, man, thank you my so man, much. Corey man. Best of luck, man. Best of luck this weekend. Yeah. We wish you well. You'll be exciting. We hope you get the strap. Have a good one, dog. Cool. Thank you, guys. Have a good day. Listen, Corey Sanhagen seems primed to make his rise back at the title, title contention, and that's going to start this weekend. But you know what time it is, DC. At some point, we had to get to our favorite segment. It's time to tap in or tap out. Corporate Jake, what we got? While the NFL was in full swing this weekend, two former stars took to the ring. Le'Veon Bell knocked out Adrian Peterson in their boxing exhibition this past Saturday. So, RC, tap in or tap out on Le'Veon's, Le'Veon's boxing abilities. I, I don't even like the question. I tap in on Le'Veon's boxing abilities. I tap out on the legend Adrian Peterson getting put to sleep in front of all of these people. He did not need to do that. And I'm upset, and that's why I'm not looking at DC right now. I'm not looking at the camera because I'm frustrated. But I do tap in on Le'Veon's skill because here's the thing. He started doing this his rookie year, DC. When he was trying to lose weight, he started boxing. So he's been doing this for a decade now. Obviously, AP has not. Hey, man, run that clip back. Why would Le'Veon Bell have to lose weight? Dude is in some sick shape, isn't he? Well, that's dude why. Look, like, look, at his, look at his body. Look at this dude's body when he walks away from dropping APF. Hey, like you tweeted, you don't play fighting AP. What are you, <laughs> you doing? Man. I mean, this dude, look at that. No, he stiffed him. I don't know why Adrian Peterson's out there fighting. But I don't know why guys play sports when I'm fighting. I tap in on Le'Veon Bell. But I do, look, I don't have the mic. You tap out on Adrian Peterson ever putting gloves on again. This dude needs to chill. And Me once too, the lights bro. get shut off, hey, Ryan, the lights must get shut off in football. 
Yeah. So to go play in box like that and get him shut off again, it's different, no bro. need for it. I agree. Tap in, Le'Veon, tap out, Adrian Peterson. Carpet Jake. All right, guys, this coming Saturday, Triple G and Canelo Alvarez face off in their trilogy. Right now, the series is 1-0-1 with Canelo holding the lone victory. DC, tap in or tap out that the winner this Saturday should be considered the number one pound-for-pound boxer in the world. Um, I tap out. They're not the number one pound-for-pound. Like, I thought Canelo was for a while, mm-hmm. but I think Terrence Crawford's the number one pound-for-pound fighter in the world, at least to me, in my yeah. idea right now. But these two guys are going to have a fantastic fight. My strength coach is actually Triple G strength coach, so I've got some inside information on the fight. Uh, they said he looks fantastic. But this is a great trilogy, but to put two guys, especially Triple G, who seems to be ending his career in the conversation as pound-for-pound number one, I tap out. Yeah, this is definitely – I tap out on this. This is a legacy fight more so than a fight for the best pound-for-pound fighter in the world right now. I think Canelo was the best pound-for-pound and could still be in the discussion even though he loses the fight to the bigger man in his last outing. But when you think about Errol Spence, Terrence Crawford, a fight that many people have talked about finally being made, I believe the winner of that fight gets to boast himself as the pound-for-pound greatest boxer in the world. Corporate Jake, what up? All right, guys, here's a fun scenario from social media. The UFC should do mystery fights where you don't know who's fighting until the walkout. RC, tap in or tap out on UFC mystery fights? I actually tap in on this, and here's why I tap in. One, the UFC is going to do its best to never put a bad product out, and two, No matter who's on the fight card, when I'm watching a fight night or if I'm watching a pay-per-view, there's always something on there that grabs me, excites me, and entertains me. It's almost like the UFC cannot miss right now, so I tap in on this for sure. Because when Airheads put out the mystery flavor that came in the white pack, you better believe that's the ones I was asking for at the concession stand. (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, I tap out. I, I think I like the promotion. I like knowing who's fighting so that I can see their interactions, right? I like to see guys come together. I like to see guys arguing. I just, I, I mean, we've, this has been going on for a year now. I'm, like I said, I'm a bit messy. So I want to see all the stuff that comes with uh, before the fight. Imagine if we didn't know that Hamzat was fighting Nate and then Hamzat got into it with Kevin Holland and ultimately ends up fighting Kevin Holland. Like, I, I need to know who's fighting just to get into the dirt a little bit. So, yeah, that's, uh, I'm tapping out on that one, Corporate Jake. Hey, Ryan Clark, before we, get, before we go today, I want to take a moment. So, the mixed martial arts world lost a guy named Elias Theodoro uh, this week. He was only mid-30s and died from cancer. Oh. Elias was a very well-liked fighter in the UFC. He wasn't there long, but he was always a good time. One of the sweetest people that you've ever met in your entire life. He was so such so full of life, Ryan, that at one point he went to Invicta and he was the ring card boy. He was a very handsome guy. Didn't tell anyone that he was dealing with uh, liver cancer, stage four, and uh, he lost his battle to cancer uh, over the weekend. So to all the people uh, related to in contact with Elias Theodoro, uh, the DC and RC family, ESPN, you are in our prayers. Yeah. You are in our thoughts. And we wish you well in your recovery from losing such a shining light uh, in the world of mixed martial arts. So, again, to Elias Theodoro, uh, as family, uh, we will be praying for you guys. uh, And sad to hear the news of the passing of Elias. Extremely well said, DC. Anytime you lose a life in general, but a very 
young life, you understand the way that that affects the family, the way that it affects their friends, and also the loved ones that they've touched along the way in their journey. So to all of those hurting, to all of those who will miss Elias, the DC and RC family, and especially RC right now, we say that we have thoughts and prayers that are with you. DC and RC will be back with you next Tuesday.